0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Memorial Day, everybody. I'm a little intimidated because to my right, the first guest that we've had that has chose to do the left coast stand. The left coast stand. Peter <laughs> King is invading my territory. I don't even I'm like doing your
1: thing. You're I doing know. this I this don't even like. My my made stick. him like listen to the intro. I was like. Peter's so big. What I'm is like, that no. music?
0: That is actually created by Rod Simba, who is one of our listeners, who is a music producer. It's pretty kinda, good, right? He's very good. I think it's,
1: yeah. it's very good. It is. Yeah. We we were impressed. Rod Simba has done a lot of good work for us <laughs> yes. for yeah. free of charge. Nice. It's
0: been amazing. Rod's the man. Him and all his producers have been hit me up.
1: So first thing I want to ask Peter King is yes. this: we text from time to time. Okay. When he wants to answer, yes, he replies with a meow. Yeah. Meow. Well, and excuse so I, me? B- yes, meow. Like, meow. I'll be like, hey, can you be here at 210? Meow. Is meow. that a super trooper thing? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes.
0: yes. That's what I thought yes. it was. okay.
2: Now, that is the funniest scene in all of television <laughs> history. Now, movie history. Yes. Where, Real, movie hey, history? I, I think so. Well, This is coming from the guy who
1: thinks Ace Ventura is the best movie in history. Ace Ventura 2. Oh, sorry. So how dare he ask you. <laughs> Ace Ventura is pretty funny. Thank you very much. Ace Ventura, You're on, Ace on the outside. Look funny. at it now. No, but he's saying it's f- one Chris. of the best movies ever. I'm not
2: saying that it's one of the best movies. I think it's one of the funniest scenes, at least Super Troopers, just because you know... Uh, I've never heard meow heard say, said so many different ways in so many mm. like normal sentences. I it's just also
0: because it's laughed. finding comedy in a traffic stop. Yeah, where yeah. where it was all, pretty
2: you, darn funny. I, I
0: almost want the police like to kind of mess with me. And that's a yeah.
2: What were you speeding meow? Yeah, that's awesome. And They're
0: coming out with a new one too, aren't they? They yeah.
2: have a new one out, and I want to see it.
1: Yeah, apparently it's out, huh? Yeah. Uh, right. So
0: we're gonna. This is we're recording this on a Wednesday. It's coming out on a Monday because look, you're, we're taking over. For Monday morning quarterback. Go so that's ahead. what it is. Sims and Lopko, Monday morning quarterback <laughs> with Peter King. Yeah, is what you're going to wake up on Monday, and it's going to be. Well,
2: you know what? I'm going to wake up on Monday morning, and I'll be in Paris, France. Wow. Stop. I'm you're taking it, my wife there for her 60th birthday. Good for you. What yeah.
0: were Mondays typically like for you guys during Monday morning quarterback or Sunday night? Yeah, because Sunday nights you were just telling us <clears throat> you were doing what?
2: Well, I live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and we were talking about how how incredibly noisy it is at all hours of the day or night in manhattan and i and I, so i'll be writing there at three thirty in the morning on monday and there will just there will be people leaning on their horns at the stoplight in front of my building, and I just think to myself, it just never ends in no, New York. No, but uh, Mondays will be about the same thing. I'm going to do the same thing basically for NBC that I'm doing for so bef- SI but, and the but MMQB you pull, like, right now. All nighters, like I mean, where like- I do, I'm up until about. I'd say 5:30 normally on on Sunday night. So
0: I like to think oh, of it damn. like this: so you're up until 5:30 in the morning on Monday. You release this like opus of like thousands of words and all these nuggets, and then do you sleep as the rest of the world is like processing yes. your
2: information? I mean, I try to sleep as much as I can, but usually I'm up by about 10. So Twitter's exploding, but, and Peter King is napping. I have to. That's yeah, awesome. How can you? How can no, you, I just like the visual. You can't, you can't stay up. You know, you got to go to sleep. But, But, I mean, i do it a little bit less. And I hope that the column will consistently be up at NBC. This year we had it consistently up at at the MMQB at 5 a.m. Yeah. Uh, And because, look, I, I mean, I think at some point it becomes a little bit defeatist when you go and go and go. Because after a while you just can't really reason properly. You know, so I try to be done. I really try to be finished by about between 4 and 5 o'clock last season. And hopefully I'll do the same thing this year at NBC. So you're telling me you
0: have so many things that you're probably chopping stuff that doesn't even make it, or else it could be... What happens to those stories?
2: Well, I I, there there aren't a lot of those. I often will save something for my Wednesday column. But I don't do... I'm not going to do that now, because I'm not doing a Wednesday column at NBC. Feel good? It'll feel pretty good. Look... I love what I do. I'm really fortunate to do what I do. Sure. I'm I'm tremendously fortunate to do what I do. So this isn't about I hate my job. I don't hate my job. There's probably only one thing I sort of hate now. Okay, what is that? And sort of hate meow. Um, <laughs> it's it's that in May, June, and July, you know, you you finish working on the draft. And many times I'll have been at somebody's draft and I'll be in the draft room. And then like last year with the 49ers, right. you know, uh, Thursday night after the draft, you go and have a few beers. Friday night, you might have a couple of beers. yeah, You know, and then you, and and so you stay up with these guys, you stay out with these guys. And then then you fly home and you take a deep breath and you say, oh. Now we got to populate the site for the next ten weeks right. with something sort of meaningful. Yes. and I just said, man, it's just it's too much for me. I mean, I had two brothers who died young, mm. and I mean, I'm sixty years old. I, I, I mean, I love my job. I love my column. I love doing that stuff. I'm not crazy about it in May, June, or July. I I'm used to, We get it.
0: We, me, and yeah. Sims have realized working together for the last five seasons that our our time to take vacation has been changed and changed and changed. At first it was, okay, right after the Super Bowl. And then it was, you got to be ready for the draft. Yeah. So, okay, we'll do it after the draft. And we got the combine coming And in. then the draft right. happens, and it's just OTAs have become like a monumental thing. And then but franchise But you know what's stupid tags.
2: about I can tell you what's stupid about that. Like OTAs and, and off-season practices. Yes, we just uh, – yes, go ahead. I often – I we often, call it, whoa, big off-season. <laughs> I, I often have made this point about if – If a quarterback doesn't throw at the combine, I said, I have never one time in my life on the night of the draft heard a general Mm. manager say, well, we didn't take John Doe because he didn't work out at the combine. It doesn't happen. It doesn't matter. People say, oh, he's not competitive. Oh, that is a bunch of bull crap. And it's the exact same thing now with, oh, Tom Brady is missing these practices. I mean, I so that what That one seems so what? I know. so It's weird. It's weird. It, it is, is weird. No question matter. about it. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. And it's very un-Brady-like. Right, but yeah. I can guarantee you that when uh, when football starts yep. in September, if Tom Brady is healthy and he's 20% less the player this year, I will be utterly shocked. He's not. Yeah. Tom Brady, I think, is experiencing, and I don't know anything about <clears> this because I have not talked to him. But I think Tom Brady is experiencing what a normal human being about to turn 41 with three young kids and the ability to do things all over the world would experience. I mean, I'm going to go and practice football in Foxborough instead of going to do all these things, both with my kids, my family, in Qatar, in China, in wherever. And it just seems to me that he says, "Can I please
1: have a little bit more of a life than I've had?" That's it. how I look at it. I look, at, and I do think there's real. There's, well, I mean, I know there's little issues there. I yes. know yes. there must be. Yes, there is. I mean, yeah. I, the, the, yes. I mean, and from everything I know, bits and pieces. Do, do I know this story hundred percent? But it seems like pretty much that Belichick was pushing on the organization that, that maybe this should be Brady's last year, and Garoppolo should be the guy for the future. Brady got wind of that, didn't like it, and of course then. it is Garoppolo got traded and all those things. I don't ever get the full story. You know how New England works. I know a few people up there. I get little bits and pieces, and that's just the part I've tried to piece together. But I'm with you, too, with, first of all, who's practiced more than Tom Brady? We both know he's obsessed with the sport. I mean, he's making videos about him doing it in the offseason. So we know he's obsessed. They also have... They're in the AFC Championship game every year. You know what that is? An extra month of practice for Tom Brady. So he can throw a slant route and a comeback with his eyes closed. And just a few years ago, we saw the players lockout. And what did we see? Three quarterbacks throw for 5,000 yards? So that just tells you OTAs, again, are more for the coaches than anything. How
2: do you think the San Diego Chargers feel about the OTAs right now? When Hunter Henry, a guy who... Los Angeles Chargers. chargers, (laughs) When when Hunter Henry basically now is lost for the season. And look, if you're going to be running around, you're going to risk injury. I'm not blaming anybody or blaming anything. But what I am saying is that, in my opinion... Uh, you're asking an awful lot of these players to be practicing sort of like they'd practice during the season, only not hitting the guy yes. across from I agree uh, with can you. Can I
0: tell you my conspiracy theory about yeah. the Patriots? Yeah. My conspiracy theory is that Bill went into Kraft's office and was like, Robert Kraft, I think it's time that we move on from Brady and we go to Garoppolo. And then Kraft had Brady in and said, just so you know, because I love you, Tommy boy." We're going to move on to Jimmy Garoppolo and then saw the emotion in his face. And then I think Belichick's been taken out of this completely.
2: Here's the reason why I don't buy uh, a lot of what I've heard with theories like that. Now, what you said is very interesting, and I have no idea if it's true or not. It's not anything that I've heard enough about to even report. Mm -hmm. But, But what I would say is Bill Belichick... Uh, has brought in so many veterans over the years, and he's all about winning. That, and I'm not saying that it's impossible that he would have said, "Okay, Brady, it's over. We're going with Garoppolo." Right. In the middle of an MVP year for Brady, which would have really imploded everything. I think. I agree. I, I just think I think you have to just let all of this play out. Mm-hmm. You've got to let Brady keep playing, and then we'll see what happens. And and I just look. This is just my fervent belief. The Patriots didn't take a quarterback this year because after Baker Mayfield, they didn't really like anybody.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, the quarterback from, uh, you know, from LSU is Matt Castle reincarnated. Right. They might be able to get him coached up to play a little bit, mm. but he's probably nobody's quarterback of the future, but he's, nice. he's a Jacoby Brissett type sure. of player, sure. at least in their eyes. So next year... I believe that Josh McDaniel's job during this offseason, they fly into Miami on a Saturday. Josh, instead of putting his feet up and watching the you know, Oklahoma-Nebraska game on TV on Saturday night, yep. he's going to have some video that he'll, before he goes to bed, he'll spend the last 90 minutes before he goes to bed watching whatever that quarterback's name is at Missouri. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, I know. Or, I can't or, think And, of his name and whoever else yes, those other guys, guys are. Guys are yeah. So he is going to be, this is his job now. Mm Josh McDaniel's job in 2018 Finding the next will Brady. be to spend 90 minutes every week on getting ready for the next guy. That's my feeling about how they're going to operate. I love I, it. I,
1: I don't doubt that. I mean, just uh, my experience of being there, I'm, I'm sure they already have a few guys, yes, on their radar that are circled they're to be those type of guys. Ahead. Yes, they yeah. are. are we, Wait, can I ask one more thing? You just can ask deep? whatever you want. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm just interested because just to bring back to something you said a few minutes ago about like coaches now and you hanging out in the draft and having a beer and things like that now now compared to let's just say 1988 right our, play- <laughs> our player our players our coaches were they more willing to have a drink with you and hang that way i feel yes. like they were right okay. no question so, all right so yeah can you just like elaborate on that not that you have to use specific coaches in 1984 or- i
2: covered football for the first time i covered the cincinnati bengals in training camp in 1984 i lived it, at Wilmington College, where the Bengals' training mm-hmm. camp was, that was the year where Boomer Esiason was a rookie. Chris Collinsworth was on the team. Munoz, Max Montoya, they had a l- Reggie Williams. They had a lot of really good and really outgoing. Ray Horton, a, lo- <clears throat> a lot of really outgoing players. And the one thing I will never forget that dorm. Okay, there's whatever eighty or ninety players in training camp. Yeah. That was the players' dorm. I had a room on the bottom floor with the Cincinnati Inquirer, and I had a phone in my room. And every night, the guy for the Cincinnati Post went home, but I stayed. So my room was open. So I remember many nights. The reason I had a really good relationship and ended up having one with Esiason yeah, and with Chris Collinsworth, I will always believe is because I said, hey, you want to use my phone? Come on in. And, you know, obviously no cell phones in those days. And there's there's two pay phones and everyone's trying to use them, I'm sure. And so it, so they came by to talk to whoever, girlfriends, family, I don't yeah. know. And I would just leave the room and I would do something else and they'd be on the phone for an hour or something like that. But here's the one other thing. Yeah. Five doors down the hall on the right-hand side was Sam Weich's suite. He lived in an RA's room right. at Wilmington College. <laughs> hilarious. And Sam Weich was a rookie coach with the Bengals, and he said, if you ever need anything, just knock on my door. So meetings would be over at like 9.30 and I'd go knock on his door and I'd say, hey, can you explain your offense to me? And it, we'd sit there for an hour and 10 minutes until he was too tired to go anymore. And he'd show me film of everything that they did on offense. It was frigging amazing, awesome.
1: Right. It was just Sam-wash. awesome. So, so where did it change? Why did it change? You know, Because, 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 yes.
2: because yes. in the year 2000, I always tell people this story. In the year 2000, I went to the NFL scouting combine. It's yes. like me, John Clayton, Rick Gosselin, Len Pascarelli. There's hardly anybody there. There's maybe 15 to 20 reporters at the NFL scouting combine. This is the year 2000. This year, 1,243 uh, yeah. credentialed members of the news media in Indianapolis. So it's so a you're sheer number? What? Yes. Yes. Because
0: more people are covering
2: yes. and more mm. yes, more than ever. And And the trust tree has been broken for, well, because of that or I don't hey, you know, Because I, I mean, would think
1: they would still want to have beers with somebody like you, but I like think occasionally they do, but yeah. it's
2: not it's not nearly not like as often as
1: as it was.
2: And Chris, I'm gonna tell you this is one of the other things that is really different about covering football. Yeah. You know, uh, you realize after a while that if you sort of are close to a guy, that that guy pretty much expects you to only write good things about him. Mm-hmm. Okay? When did that start? Oh, it's been that way for a while. Mm. But but And I'll tell you what happens. Because if you're a big star, either as a coach or a player, and your team is winning all the time, or you're throwing for 5,000 yards every year, you're a great player... You know that there's a lot of people who are never going to write anything bad about you. Mm. So let's just say I write something bad about you. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, because you've got all these other big people in the media who are, I'm not saying kissing your feet, but who are always writing nice things. Then all of a sudden, somebody who writes uh, something that you really don't like, all of a sudden you're marginalized and you're on the outside. Mm. And that has happened... uh, I don't want to say a lot, but that's happened 10 or 15 times with me over the last few years, and I can see it coming. I know it's going to happen, and I've told some players, please – just understand that one day I really might write something bad about you. I give you a good example, Deion Sanders. Yeah, right. Okay, so Dion Sanders, when he signed with Washington at the end of his career, they sure. gave him a seven million dollars signing bonus. That I was a crazy offseason. Bruce, Bruce Smith was, got a
0: big contract. He was not
2: whole at all at that time. At all. And like their second game, they go to Detroit. He screws up his foot, which I think was already hurt or yeah. his ankle. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> you know, I just wrote basically that. I, and I'm paraphrasing this because I don't remember exactly what it was, but Dion Sanders stole the signing bonus from Washington, Ooh. from Dan Snyder and Vinny Serrato. And so I went in later that year, and Dion and I requested a chance to talk to Dion before some game. And the PR guy came back and said, Dion said, God bless you, but I'll never talk to you for the rest of my life. Now, we do talk now, but... After, I mean, I knew him so well. I wrote this the other day. I know him so well that he gave me his pseudonym for road hotels. Right. And so I would know, you wouldn't call the hotel. In those days, people wouldn't have cells. So you just call the hotel and say, hey, can you connect me with John Doe? Right. You know? And so, and that's how close I was to him then. But what was it? John Thompson? I I always know. Carl Langford. I just always know that (laughs) at some point... Tell me it was Peter King. (laughs) I always know that at some point these things are probably going to blow up. Yeah. They just are, because if you're being remotely honest with your yeah. readers, sometimes you have to say things that are not very nice. Right, so because you have two tough. relationships.
0: You have a relationship with the player, and you have a relationship with the reader. Uh, speaking with, Man. what is your relationship with your Twitter handle? Are you going to change it?
2: Oh, I have S- to, because y- it's SI underscore Peter King. What are we, we going to go with? I don't even know. i got to figure Can it out. Can I give you some left PR? Ahead. Yeah.
0: You don't need NBC in there. You're Peter King. Someone might have Peter King. I think there is a guy. There's we a need bunch to come of fake
2: with, Peter Kings out there. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. think
0: that you need to put an adjective that you believe in before Peter King. The Honorable Peter King, Great Peter <laughs> King. How about
1: Peter King Meow? <laughs> that, would that would be It <laughs> might blow good? up the internet. I mean, seriously.
0: <laughs> as long as you credit Sims and Love, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Peter King Meow.
2: <gasps> I don't know what I'm going to do. I like
1: Meow Wilson. Peter King. Yeah, I do Peter like Meow that. King. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, these are all good. good. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, so you guys are you're going to be kind of on the same rotation so can here I th- for well, NBC Pro Football Time. We're talk. working yeah.
1: for the same team, uh, which, this, I mean, I, I enjoy, Peter, conversations even outside of football. We've had some good ones as of late that I have enjoyed, and I won't go there right now. But Peter, too, he's taken a lot of pressure off me with my NBC job. How come? Well, I used to be worried. <laughs> you okay there? I almost the I, used to wor- <laughs> I used to be worried about being on time. But. Peter King, first show. Now this is just tells you how awesome and big time this guy is. Are this you is... about to out Peter King? Well, oh, right no, no, nobody. I don't have to out him. It was on TV. We I saw was it. a couple of minutes late. Yeah, I first just. Show I did a, NBC. I did a walk on. He did. And, I did and a walk on. Memorial called it the Merv Griffin walk on, yeah, which, yeah. which is a little. I know who Merv Griffin is. I didn't realize that went on in his shows back in the old <laughs> day. Just, yeah, people just walk on. That was amazing. You're my idol to do that to Florio. The show starts at 7. They said the day before, man, Peter might be late for the show. (laughs) And I'm got the show on because I'm going. Let me see if Peter's there on time. And I turn on a few minutes late. I'm just going to say this right now. It's
2: 6:39 a.m. I was at the Starbucks on the first floor of 30 Rock. What? 6:39. That's how long the line was. And I walk in there, and I walk in there. There's only four people there, but there's one person who's the barista and Uh, the ringer upper. Oh, I know. And the person in front of me ordered nine drinks. What? That shouldn't be allowed. I'd leave. I, well, I would leave. And so, well, I couldn't because I was coffee. desperate for. The, I was. Johnson How are you going to write your coffee latte? nerdness yeah. column? Yeah,
1: yeah, I knew you needed it. But anyway,
2: yeah, I can't do that anymore. So oh, I'll please it do out. it
1: more. That was yeah. the best. That was awesome. Yeah. He can't do anything to you. So I you should do said.
2: 708, 708, <laughs> 708. <laughs> yeah. Peter, yeah. it's, it's like baseball 11th.
0: games. Started at seven eleven. That's yeah. when you start. New start
2: what, time. Doesn't one baseball team actually start at seven eleven? I think it's the Chicago White Sox because
1: they sold it to seven eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Marketing. That's kind of funny. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's good to know. I did not know that. I did not know that. Hey, can I just say one other thing? You can say whatever you want. Well, okay. We're going to continue to ask you questions until you tell us That's you're sick good. of us. I'm, no, okay. I'm
2: ready to go for a Did you a have time. a pseudonym in a hotel?
1: No.
0: Okay, you're no. just Peter. Okay. He wanted to
2: say one more thing. Um, yeah, I know. I'm going to say one more thing. So today, <laughs> yeah. now that this is appearing on Monday, yeah. so as we record this, we're recording it on the previous Wednesday. Yeah. So I left home, uh and I'm finishing up today mm-hmm. my favorite stories that I've done in 29 years at SI. Ooh. And it's really, really been interesting to go back and look at a bunch of the old things. Like, something I haven't thought about in a long time is I took a bus in 1990. I took a bus across country with John Madden. Hmm. and you Damn, know, that would be amazing. It was Awesome. It was awesome. Like we stopped on the side of the road one time and he pulls he opens a drawer and he pulls out a book, Wildflowers Across America. What? And he goes, "Look at those things. They were bright red flowers. We were on the side of the road in Kearney, Nebraska." Right. And I it was lived, like I worked in
0: Hastings, Nebraska, 40 minutes from Kearney, Nebraska. Right on 80, yeah, It's huh? flat. There's yeah. nothing there. Wow, that's ridiculous. But but it
2: was it was great. And the other thing about Nebraska is Right along the side of I-80, not far from Kearney and not far from where we saw those flowers, some guy has a farm where he invents animals, where he crossbreeds animals. Jeez. And they're just standing out there like the llama horse. <laughs> and, I mean, just the weirdest things going on at that thing. And, but anyway, so Madden was, Madden was awesome. He was so much fun. I slept in the bus, too? I slept in the
1: bus. And so he had his bed in the
2: back. Madden had the back third of the bus. Right. He had a queen-size bed. The room, it looked like uh, a miniature Hyatt suite. Yes. It was beautiful. And he also had, in those days... He had a TV in there and he had all the tapes that week. I think he was doing Giants in Dallas. So he had all their games right, right wow. there. Right. And he, and so he was just going to watch them and that's how he that's how he fell asleep. Did yeah. he drive you know? the bus? No. Who drove he the bus? He had two drivers. Okay. Dave Hahn and Willie Yarbrough. Dave one of them has died. I forget which one. But they were and they they would have shifts and then they had a little bunk in the middle of the yeah. bus. Yeah. And it was great. We but what a but paradise. I am, I am going through all yes. of my stories right now and seeing all these things and seeing, you know, being at Favre's house till eleven thirty at night in the week in the life of the Packers. I, in 1995. I saw you write about that a little yeah. bit, yeah. And and then and not then knowing all, that he was addicted to drugs at the time, not right? knowing at all, right? And then after that season, that was an amazing thing that happened after that season with with him basically going into rehab for the second, as it turns out, I didn't even know this, that he had been to rehab two years before for that, for the pills. pills. Then he went into rehab again. And then the third time he went in for alcohol because that became like, after he stopped doing the pills, then he really was into alcohol. The most amazing thing about that whole time doing that, as I look back on it now, is that I only wrote forty two hundred words. I spent a week inside I'm in I'm in with Holmgren as he's doing the game plan. I'm in with Steve Mariucci as and, and Ty Detmer as Favre is farting and falling asleep in the quarterback <laughs> meeting room. It was it was it was, it was Classic, really great. Right. And so I said, Forty two hundred words, man, I can't even I, I write travel notes that are forty two hundred words long now. Man. And and so that's what has changed a lot. And that's one of the reasons why I've really grown to love the Internet, because there isn't a limit nope. if you've got a great story. Uh, and the last thing I'll say no, no, about don't this. Tell. I, you can keep going. I love the la- this stuff. The last thing I'll say, because you'll get a great kick out of this. I'm going to have like maybe 15 or 18 stories with a little writing about here's what I remember about each one. But I did one of them from 2003. <gasps> about a Montclair-Cedar Grove softball game that my daughter pitched. It was a 13-inning game. Right. And she and one of her best friends in the world, who's from Cedar Grove and mm-hmm. who's a pitcher, they met having pitching lessons. And and so they went at each other like dogs for 13 innings. Right. And it was really one of the great sports events I've ever seen in my life. But so... And... You know, everybody says, oh, keep that crap out of there. But that's really what I have totally gotten into over the years with the Internet column, because they said, put some of yourself in it. Yeah. And so I did. I put that stuff in there. I put stuff about my dogs you know i got two
1: dog yep. obituaries in there and picking I up got... dollars at greenwich yeah i do yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you're talking about greenwich connecticut right. and... coffee
1: beer yeah
2: your
0: favorite liquids
2: it's fun but but the other thing so i've written over the years i think i i, I wrote this the other day i've written about 5.5 million words in 29 years at SI and at the MMQB and si.com how many dollars per word but <laughs> but so what what i what i did at the end of trying to figure out how many words i had written is how many words i've written like in the MMQB you know in that monday column right and it's about 4 million
1: gosh
2: and i i'm like 80% i'm, I'm mind boggled by that because that's basically 40 novels damn i mean I, and I, and so i don't know i mean i and the last week or so it's been such an emotional time was for me say. leaving there because the amount of letters like i got 600 emails last week from people just basically telling me stories about you know where they have read it over the years and I, some guy on a subway came up to me uh, a couple of weeks ago and he says hey good luck to you uh I've been. I've read you. Uh, you were basically my introduction into football. Mm. You know, I've been reading, and here is a guy in a business suit and a briefcase going to work. He's whatever thirty years old. Yeah, I don't know. So it's been kind of an emotional time. I was going to say,
0: like, if when yeah. you create something and you build something, and yeah. then we all know eventually, we don't think about it that you're going to have to hand it over eventually, because you, you've the fact that you've created something that needs to live without you there shows the foundation that you built.
2: And and I'll tell you this Adam, here's the one thing that I've re- I felt strongly about over like the last year. So in the old days at Sports Illustrated, I never asked, "Hey, uh I, I'm going to go to uh, uh, San Diego and interview Dan Fouts. Well, okay, just go. Nobody, mm. nobody would care. Yeah. It was not a big deal. But now every trip you make has got to be approved. Everything you do, you got to be worrying about money. And so I'd be doing these things. And I just kept thinking to myself, you know, I've got – there are nine people, average age, 30 years old, who I have brought in I, I've brought in I brought in actually six of them and we've gotten three from Sports Illustrated who help us do stuff and who write. And these nine people, average age 30, I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm like the 800 pound gorilla. And as long as I'm there, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing that and I'm going to be highlighted when I do this and I and you know what? They're ready. Like Jenny mm. Varentis is ready. She's been killing it. She is great. Uh, Robert Klemko is yeah. great. Yeah. <clears throat> Connor Orr, another one of our young writers, Andy Benoit, Albert Breer. These are really, really good people at their jobs. And if I stay, it just basically keeps them on the periphery a lot of the times. And it just—it really was not fair. The,
0: the piece that I saw on MMQB today about the tables and lighting arrangements was incredible. I'm only kidding. When you go to MMQB, it's the furniture website. Oh, <laughs>
2: Sorry. oh yeah, that is right. That's been
0: my number yeah. one question I had for you: is how well, you the hell what? is we this tried. furniture store we, still owning MMQB? We
2: well, this is a very interesting story. For people who don't know, we started the MMQB I in 2013, and we just wanted it to call. We wanted to call it MMQB, uh, and so uh, we there's a furniture company in North yes. Carolina, and. I think we offered them like twenty five thousand okay. dollars for the name, you know, to give up yeah. MMQB Just the and domain to make something name. else. And they said no. And they asked for five hundred thousand dollars. Holy crap. What? And so we Smart said I that. said, I have a good way to, to to fix this. Right. Just say, listen, we're gonna have mm-hmm. MMQB in our title. Uh, but so, I mean, I, I don't know what they, I have no idea what they would have, would they have paid 30 or 35, but Who I knows? said, don't do it. Yeah. That's dumb. That's a stupid waste of money. Right. Here's what we should do. Just put a the in front of it. Mm. And that's what we did. So the website was known as the MMQB and my Monday column was known as the MM, no, oh, okay. just MMQB. Yes. Right? And so, and so it worked out fine. And it really I guess I don't know this. One of the business guys in our office said that the guy was really pissed off in North Carolina because That was people, his cow. Well people would uh, would would he'd be getting all of this traffic and he'd be getting all these contact us. What the hell? Where is the football? Where is Peter <laughs> King? I don't get it. And he'd have to answer all these emails, and he was that's all pissed amazing. off about Good. it. So anyway, yeah. You know,
0: I should I, eat that. Because that, to me, um. has been the most fascinating thing, is the first time I went on, I was like, man, a football-only par- like website. Like I'm so excited. And I type it on, and it was like,
2: furniture? Yeah. What am <laughs> North I North Carolina for-? furniture. I
0: love that he was like, I'm going to cash in, but instead all he got was a ton of contact us asking where you were. I, I love that.
2: I, I mean,
1: who knows how many he did, he got, but that's what I heard. Man, does what do we want to do? we want to go future? I'm, I'm always, you know me, I always want to ask about the past. That's you I, love the past. I love the past because he has great history. I could sit here and listen to his stories about all that, but I also I've got to tell you one story about your father. Okay, yes. tell me. Big um, Phil
0: Sims, future Hall of Fame. Big
2: Fucker, I, Big Phil. I, one of the things that was really interesting is the year that the Giants won their second Super Bowl with Parcells yes. against the Bills, the crazy game with Hostetler playing. Yep. So Phil Simms gets hurt on a Saturday afternoon against the Buffalo Bills in December. Right. Rainy day. Breaks his foot or breaks something. It. Yeah, breaks yep. his foot. Mm-hmm. And For- so, so. so he's gone. And Parcells used to have this thing, okay, every year where he used to say, I don't want the injured players to be around. And it was so strange because you'd think to yourself... I would want Phil Sims in the quarterback meeting room talking to Jeff Hostetler mm-hmm. and, and you know and giving ideas about, you know, I I just prepared to play the Buffalo Bills right. a month ago. Right. And I would like to have him around just to, but not not Parcells. Yeah, right. Parcells didn't want those guys around. So mm-hmm. every night they'd be going into meetings. And I I forget what day it was. It might have been Monday, might have been Tuesday, might might have been Wednesday. I forget. But so I saw Phil, and he goes, "Hey, you want to go out to dinner?" And so we went out to dinner at Burns Steakhouse in Tampa, and had a great meal. And everybody Burns is a classic. Everybody in the restaurant is walking by the table, and they're saying. Phil Simms is here. His his team's in the Super Bowl. What is he? Isn't his team involved with something? And I don't think they understood that. Parcells doesn't really want. He thinks the broken foot is going to rub off on people. You know. Oh wow. And so and so we sat there probably for I don't know it wasn't for any story. We just sat there and, and talked for like two and a half hours and
1: had a really fun time. But. But Did the you got one... take the wine tour too. There no. at the birds? okay because it's not. phenomenal. I, well, <laughs> I, they got a good list. <laughs> but you. the thing,
2: you know, the one thing I really remember about that, and remember about your father, that was really cool as a, you know, as somebody covering the team, you know, and he got really pissed off at me one time for quoting him when he thought it was off the record. Right. Uh, it, it, long story, not that interesting. And so, but but I used to love just talking to him about you know, the way the game really worked. And he had a great handle on the way the game really worked. And you know what was interesting? He had to, there was a lot of guys on those giant teams that didn't really buy into Parcells mm-hmm. because he had different rules for Lawrence Taylor than mm. anybody. Yes. His whole rule, his big rule with Lawrence Taylor is let's keep this guy alive. Yeah. Okay. Because if right. he's alive, he's gonna win some games for <laughs> yes, us. Right. Okay. So let's just keep him alive and forget if he's ten minutes late. Yes. You know. So yes. So guys like Joe Morris used to get so angry with the way Parcells treated sure. Lawrence Taylor. But anyway, you, Phil had such a great handle on every aspect of the team, why it worked, why it didn't work, what happened, the relationships, and and everything like that. It was uh, he was a really good quarterback
1: to cover. Well, football philosophy. I mean, I think that's where Parcells and Belichick are amazing, right? It's just they the philosophical can see the whole game as a whole and how it all plays into each other. It's interesting with the injury thing, right? Because I, I played for Josh McDaniels, and that was my first taste of that, right? Because he they do New England does the same thing still to this day. If you're hurt, don't come around because yeah. you're not going to help us win on Sunday, and we don't want you in a meeting room because you're not worried about the game. Maybe going off on a tangent, and telling a story about it has nothing to do. Well, one so of they the things it's like confusing the one focus. of the things that used to,
2: one of the things that used to enrage Parcells would go to these new teams, and I wrote about it one time in Dallas, mm-hmm. his last stop. You know, when he went to Dallas, yep. the players were saying they'd go into the into the trainer's room. You know, and uh, and they would they would feel like even it, maybe it was like late August or September. It'd be real hot outside. And, I oh, know it would feel fantastic. You'd go in there to be really cold, but after about five minutes, players would say, "Hey, man, turn this it's turn so this cold. air conditioner off," because he Parcells would have it at sixty degrees. He would make it so cold. He make he, didn't, it want so, you. he right. didn't want you hanging around in, in there. there. Right. He didn't want people in there. He did that stuff with the Giants and, too. And, I know. You know, the one other thing, and I I only remember this because I wrote about it today. So you guys might remember this streak, but in 2004, I think it might have been 2003, but 2004, I believe it was, the Patriots were going for their 19th consecutive regular season win, which would be an NFL record at the time. Nobody had ever won 19 in a row. And so that week, I went up there and I was going to do what makes the Patriots tick. And people were writing about the Patriots because they had won a couple of Super Bowls. But, you know, still, you know, just get on the ground, get in the weeds, find out. And I get up there and uh, <clears throat> I'm talking to Mike Vrabel. And he goes, well, you Vrabel was a linebacker there at the time. He goes, you you got to... You gotta. You should look into par, what Parcelles, what Belichick said to us this week in our team meeting when he when he met us. So but he didn't
1: tell you. He said
2: for you to yeah, look better, into. Yeah, it. because these guys are really they're so careful. Scared. They're scared. It's hilarious. So, <laughs> I find out that what that what Bill Belichick said to his team. Here they are. They're going for nineteen in a row. Uh, you know, national TV game against Miami. It's going to be a huge win. If they win, celebrations, everything like that. And he gets in there, and he they had just beaten Buffalo on Sunday. And he goes in, and he stands in front of the team, and he goes, Hey, if we want to be any good at all, we got to clean up this special teams crap that I'm seeing out there. You realize against Buffalo, we had zero return yards. We allowed them this, 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 and he goes over everything. And the guys in there, as one of them said to me, he goes, we were worthless pieces of S because, and so, and that to me sounded so familiar because Bill Parcells always had this theory and his theory was if you've won eighteen in a row, find something crappy, yeah. because you they, you can't tell them we've arrived. Right. It's October, right. it's whatever right. it is. Right. We got we got a lot of work to do. Right. Similarly, if they've lost four in a row, you've got to tell them that hope is not lost. Hey, listen, I saw some good things out there. Yeah. Here's what we do well, and here's how we're going to win this Sunday. And that's exactly what Belichick was doing at the time, mm. telling them how bad they were on special teams, so that and their their gunner, mm-hmm. their punt team gunner, right. a guy named Sean Mayer, yeah. he fired him that day. And I wrote, I wow. wrote, I wrote like that. It was like Paulie Walnuts executing a contract hit. He had to sacrifice somebody, somebody yeah. And so he did, and he came in, and he, and everybody knew. Holy crap. We've won 18 in a row, and our special teams guy just got whacked. Well, so I know it's amazing. It's amazing. So that,
1: that see, this is what happens. I want to ask him more questions about history. So you go, you go, like, okay, so are they as good as you've like Parcells and Belichick? Just to me, and I know you know more coaches than me over a lifetime and being around them. Just seem from my 37 years on the planet to be the best at the mental warfare. That goes on in football than anybody I've I've seen or at least witnessed on the outside. See in. Parcells, the reason why,
2: <clears throat> and this is the reason. Why, and look, I'm kind of close to Parcells, so people would always say, "Oh, you only want the, want him in the Hall of Fame uh, because he's been good to you. You're close to him." Listen, Bill Parcells coached four teams. Yeah, in the NFL. Every team was a piece of crap when he got there. That's right. And every team he took to the playoffs. Like within the two every years, it was won. like, wow.
1: Okay, right. And so,
2: I mean, Rich Kotite right. is 4-28 in his previous two years. Here comes Parcells, and all of a sudden they're competitive. But, but my only point about what makes a good coach is that I think there has to be, and nobody wants to hear this, And I think Mike Tomlin does this right now better than anybody except Belichick. Hmm. You've got to have this ruthlessness. Total, utter ruthlessness. And if you don't have that, you're going to need it at some point. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have it, it's over. You're not going to survive. And in my opinion, that's one of the things everybody—I think, like, some some veteran players have left the Patriots after a year or two or three or whatever, and they breathe a sigh of relief, and they, they have two emotions. Yeah. Okay? One is, that was an incredible experience, and man, I got a ring. Right. You can never take that away from me. But with a few of them, yeah. anyway. yeah. Oh my God! I'm so glad I'm out of it. Yeah, I know. That's you know because it. Right. it is so incredibly mentally demanding. Mm-hmm. I I have said this to people. You know, Seth Wickersham wrote a story at ESPN last year yeah. saying that oh, there's all kinds of chemistry problems. Belichick, Kraft, uh, Brady, yeah, and right. it's not long for this world. And right. I said, hold on a minute. <sighs> Eddie DeBartolo, Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, the greatest owner. Coach, quarterback, t- uh, trio. Yes, maybe in history, they lasted ten years.
0: Mm.
1: Kraft, Belichick, Brady, and that wasn't perfect. People think that was perfect. Oh that my trio. god, that was in, that was that like, was incendiary. Yeah, right, Thank that was incendiary. Right. People don't realize that was not pretty relationship there. But yes. but and I'll tell you one thing about that in a yeah, second, please. But do.
2: but I'll tell you, in my opinion, this one is the most amazing one in NFL history. I give Kraft credit Mm -hmm. for laying back when I'm sure there are some times where he didn't want to lay back. Credit to Robert Kraft. I give immense credit to Bill Belichick because he never stopped being himself. Ever. And I give immense credit to Tom Brady because he wanted to be coached. Yeah, right. And every week... He could take the piling on, and I think it's gotten to him a little bit now. Yeah,
1: okay? I'm sure. now,
2: i I think it has. I don't know. You got to understand. I do not have inside information on this. I don't I even, have
1: I've it. stated that too. Like the story yeah. I told you, I don't have all the facts. I just right. have been told the story a few times, and I'm piecing it together. Yeah. So you're, I hear you. Go but, ahead.
2: But the but the one thing I will say about this this incredible time that I mean, I'm 60 years old. If I live 30 more years, I Absolutely guarantee, I will never see a team no. like the Patriots. No. Never, and I've never seen one before. Right. The only one close is, and I wasn't alive for the vast majority of it, is the Cleveland Browns because the Browns, in the first ten years of their history, won seven NFL championships and they lost in the friggin' champion uh, seven Pro Football Championships right? because four years with the it was with the AFC. The first six years they were in the NFL. They were they were a team coming over from this junior league. The first six years, they were in the championship right. game every year. Right. And the
0: stories about Paul Brown, when I read them, remind me a lot of Belichick. Ruthless. His <laughs> Belichick, coaches hated him. They never vouched for him. All
2: Belichick. All Belichick worships Paul Brown. There you go. He worships Paul Brown, and and this is a weird, weird thing to say. Okay, because the more the longer I'm away from it. The more I value it. Okay, nineteen eighty four, the first year I covered the NFL, I covered mm-hmm. the Bengals, and I, we were talking before yeah. about Collinsworth and assias and all the great guys on that team, right. who were really smart guys. But in training camp that year, Wilmington, Ohio, Central Ohio, you know, just every day, day after day after day, the beat, the sun beating down on you, and and two a day practices. Yeah. Every, every day. day. I know. 9 to 11, right. 3 to 5, pads. I mean, I feel like Both I'm old because that's man. the way it used
1: to be for me. Yeah. I mean, be like, back in my day, we <laughs> did two-a-days every day and full pads. And, and <sighs> in
2: that year, 1984, they had like a five-week training camp, and I will never forget <sighs> this. Wow. Paul Brown was at every practice, and he never missed a minute. And Chris, one time, you know what I said to him? Yeah. I said to him... I, I, I mean, I just, you're exhausted after a while to stand in the sun for that time? Okay, you have a hat on, you have sunscreen, but holy crap. Uh, you know, I always will say, I've had two melanomas in my life, and I attribute those One two melanomas, them? no, both of them. Both of them? Look at this. I yeah. got I had a big chunk taken out of my arm. I attribute that to standing outside in Wilmington, Ohio, for four or five hours every day for like six weeks in the blazing sun. But I once said to Paul Brown, he was unbelievably – he was a teacher. And I would just ask him, why are you doing this? Why are yeah, you doing – yeah. you know, and, and one time he, I said to him, I said, Paul, I said, does this ever get a little tiring for uh, you? Man, every day we're out here, it's this. And he goes, young man, this is our lifeblood. <sighs> and that's – I'm just telling you. if if Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick would be like a little puppy if he could could have lived in the time of Paul Brown. He would have loved Paul Brown. They're the same guy.
0: We were talking this before just to kind of go on Belichick because the reason I think everyone talks about Belichick, we've never seen a coach like this. He's at the top of the craft for this long. And in this era with free agency and all the change and, and players and social media, it's crazy. But how much, what does Bill do after this?
2: Like, I don't know, but you know what? Can he have a hobby? Chris, Is he gardening? Chris educated me about something about Belichick that I never thought of before. He was on my podcast like a year ago, and we were talking about Belichick and his experience with him. And one of the things, and I'm totally paraphrasing this, was that you know, like he's the exact same. He's got the same mentality, the same level of stress. If you're in some personnel meeting in May, yeah. about undrafted free agents, or the week of the Super as Bowl, as he is the week of the Super Bowl, yeah, I know. it's the same. same and guy. so, so in other words, I've always thought, I, I mean, because you know, so I, I've I've been asking people in the last few months, yeah, how much longer for Belichick? That's to, my, question. you know, the people who I just talked to somebody recently who knows Bill who just says, I mean. I think he's going to do it at least three more years, yeah and because because first of all, I don't think there's anything else other than maybe you know uh, sailing on Nantucket right. that really kind of no pun intended floats his boat. Yeah.
0: I was going to say Bruce Springsteen. Because everyone that That's I talk point. to, from your dad great to point. Doug Flutie, they say the happiest I ever see Bill Belichick is when he's seeing the boss, and I could see him just following Bruce Springsteen <laughs> around the world. I think he's, gonna
1: more, put he's up Belichick. A, isn't Bruce's he more album. of a Bon
2: Jovi guy? I,
1: yes, he's, I, he was I, think he's, I think he's more yeah. of a Bon Jovi. It's bon Jovi, Is it, is it, yeah. it both? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe Bruce. but I think it's Bon Jovi. You're right, messing so he's up. He's going to follow John. Yeah, yeah, he'll right. coach the that. Philadelphia Soul. Right. Really
2: get into it. I don't know. Uh, would it would it be it's, great to have John Bon Jovi as an owner in the NFL.
1: It would be. Wouldn't it be
2: fantastic? Yes. The question
0: is how would he discipline the anthem? You know, because yeah. now <laughs>
2: I was going to say, some guy just bought the frigging Carolina Panthers for two point five billion or so, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, two
0: point three, I think.
2: And and I just said there aren't a lot of people in the United States who have that kind of. Mo-. And he the amazing cash. thing is he paid cash. Cash. It's, I I mean, mean, it's on, ridiculous. Just... I mean,
1: ridiculous. <laughs> come on. All right, so we got to yeah. ask about that subject a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we're taping this on the Wednesday, the, the day, day of it the happens. anthem anthem stuff goes on, and it's we're releasing this as a Memorial Day. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, well, we're what, did, what was your first thoughts there, just reading this? and I wrote this maybe about, I don't know,
2: four or five weeks ago mm-hmm. after the league meetings. Um, this I said at the end of the day, the only thing that makes any sense to me is to tell players that there's potential discipline if you do anything on the sidelines— and if you don't want to stand, stay in the locker room. Yeah. That's exactly what they did. And I didn't know that. But right. it's the only thing that makes sense to me. And I'm not defending it because I am one of these really left-wing guys who says, if a player wants to kneel for the anthem, let him. Yeah. T- I've told this story countless times. Last year, I went to a Mets game at Citi Field. And the National Anthem comes up. I got a hat. Here we go. And I noticed, like, four or five rows ahead of me, there's a family sitting down. And I don't know that it was a family, but it was four people. Right. And they're just sitting there. And uh, no one was, no one was, saying, hey, get yeah, up, right. get exactly. up, this get is, up. It's just the arguments I've made. I mean, I mean, and so they're just sitting there and the the anthem ends, life goes on. Mm-hmm. They play the game. Right. Now, look. I have what? experienced it, though. You like have?
0: I, at the Eagles parade. They played the anthem, and people had hats on. And I'm talking about other fans like getting in their face, yeah, threatening the to fight on. them.
1: Yeah. It says the hats on.
0: And I'm not gonna lie. There was a 10 minute period where I was not excited. The Eagles won the Super Bowl. Yeah. It, it was just like this. It punched me in the face. Yeah. Where it was this debate, and you knew what they were arguing about. For
2: some reason, for some reason, we have allowed. And again, since nine eleven. I, I just I have a theory about all this but I think since 9/11 we have allowed uh politics and patriotism yeah. to hijack the NFL. to almost everything. And mm-hmm. and but. and I'm I'm just going to say this. I could give two craps about what is played in the thing, in right. you know and in the seventh inning stretch when I go to a baseball game God bless America. Yeah. I I don't I don't care. Right. Play it. It right. it doesn't matter one whit to me. Yeah. And I'll always stand for it. And when they introduce the guy who stands on the dugout, uh, who's got an artificial like veteran, leg, right? I mean, yes. I just, I'm crying. Yeah, just I'm like with you. We're standing. I mean, I love those guys. Yeah. But the fact is, we've gotten to the point in the United States where, you know, at all public athletic events, the only segment of our society that is celebrated is the military. Yeah. That's it. How about the teachers? In uh, in Arizona. Right. uh, In Kentucky, who are I I heard this story from this one. This one teacher stood up in Kentucky, uh, graduated from college, got her degree uh, and then went and spent uh, borrowed more money to get a master's degree and started off at this job teaching 6th grade somewhere in Kentucky at $29,600. Mm-hmm. Okay, now she's been doing it she's up to like 34,000 or some whatever the number is, but it's not a lot. Right. No. And I'm just saying to myself these are the people who I want to celebrate. And I and I'm fine with celebrating the military. I truly am. Yes. I I went on a USO trip in 2008 and I was in awe of those people. I I I think they're unbelievable. I don't think that they're the only people and the only segment of our society that we should celebrate week after week after week. How about firefighters? Could we please bring some firefighters out to stand at the 50-yard line before a game and yeah. for people to celebrate? Right. How about some cops? Could yeah. we have some cops out right. there? How about the iron workers who build these buildings? Come on! Yeah, I'm, that's, we, it's really we, a great we, point. I never thought about it, I you're am, right. I am just tired, just tired. Of the only segment of society that we celebrate is the military. And I want to celebrate the military, but not at the exclusion of every other person who gets up at 530 in the morning every day, day after day after day and for years and gets underpaid at a vastly important job.
1: Yeah. Valid, valid, valid points. That felt good. It did. Preach. It did. I know. I want to go off with you badly. Uh, the the other thing, too, like, so do you think there's going to be un- unintended consequences here or, you know, the fact that, again, that the NFL owners have done this without the approval of the players? Like, what do you, what you know, what, what do you think about that? All I can say is no matter what Roger Goodell
2: would have done, people would have said it was a point. stupid yes. decision. Because Roger Goodell can't win. If they brought in who Yeah, I feel um, if they I, brought uh, in, no. if they brought in uh I can't even think of anybody. But if they brought in John Doe, a champion of industry, or, or let's say I, I got a good one. If they brought in like George Bush, the younger, okay, obviously, right. they brought in George Bush to be commissioner. And, you know, he's got a lot of people who maybe you didn't like him politically, but whatever. So he would make a decision. And I whatever the decision is, he would have a honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. Whoever the next commissioner is. Right. No matter what Roger Goodell decided in this case, people were going to boo him. That's it. That's the way it is in this in, in this league right now. And I'm not saying it's the right decision. It's the decision that, in my opinion, is the best one of a lot
1: of evils. Right. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I
0: think the only thing that's interesting is by having owners doing discipline, they're In my mind, they're out of the protection of Roger Goodell, because Roger Goodell takes all that heat. But now if these individual owners are charged (laughs) with disciplining, it's going to kind of out some of these guys in terms of where they stand instead of falling behind
2: Goodell. Here's where it went wrong, in my opinion. Um, I think think it went wrong in three different places. Number one, when Donald Trump said what he said, the NFL should have come out, instead of just two or three or four owners... Uh, saying, I am proud of my team, I'm proud of our players. They should have attacked Donald Trump. They should have. They should have attacked Donald Trump and say, you have no idea what you're talking about, blah, 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 and whatever. So that's that's the one thing. Right. The second thing is that when this originally happened— And the NFL said, we are going to meet with this group of players, Malcolm Jenkins and Anquan Boldin and a lot of really smart, responsible, very well-intentioned players. They said, "Okay, here's what it ended up being. We're going to give you $90 million over the next seven years. And you guys have a committee and responsibly pick the social causes you want to support. That was a great thing to do. But... It was so incredibly naive, in my opinion, because what the plate, what the NFL owners thought is, we're going to give them this. They're going to see this is beyond goodwill. This is incredible. They're spending thirteen million bucks every year of money that we're giving them for, to do whatever they want with their social causes, you know, and and they didn't ask for anything in return. Well, what the NFL should have said is, listen, we're going to do something for you. But in return, we want something. Mm-hmm. D. Smith should have sat in those meetings. Yeah, uh, Eric Winston should have sat in those meetings when possible. And they should have said, listen, here's what we're willing to do. We will support all these causes. We'll support them financially and we'll support them with our teams. We'll do all this. But we have to take away... This stuff that is dividing not only our team and our league, but in some ways our nation. Yes, definitely. we got to stop this. So let's figure out a way to do it, whatever that way is. Instead, the NFL just said, we're giving them $90 million, And they just expected the players to police it. Mm. And they didn't. No. And because it's not Malcolm Jenkins' job to tell no. Eric Reid, stand up. Exactly. I mean, it has to be done collectively. Man. I
0: know I, I got I have a million more topics, but we've literally gone more than like twice as much as we thought we would.
2: Gosh. I what know. are we gonna do now then? Uh, what, what are we gonna it? do meow? Meow yeah. <laughs> Meow, I don't know what to do. <laughs>
0: I think Blake Bortles. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, Peter, that was amazing, man. I yeah. appreciate it. It was you. fun, yeah. We had what, a good time. What Always. do you think of Bleach Report's office?
2: It's beautiful. It you is. We like it. have it to show them the full tour. I don't think yeah, you we'll get to see it. You everything. know, I yeah. hate to do it, but, but you gotta I got to go. I gotta, I gotta go do something at 3.30. I all thought right, I was going to be here like 20 minutes. I know. We hijacked you. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. It's all
0: right. Peter King's amazing. Great being with you guys. Uh, Thank you. Do we know the Twitter handle? Do we no. know? Okay. So Peter King meow coming soon. <laughs> and then NBC, we can watch you on Pro Football Talk. So you can either watch that. Sims
2: or King. Right. And then eventually you're going to do it. Chris is going to do it a lot more than I am. I don't want to get up Yeah. I, the part of this thing is living a sane life, not getting up at six o'clock to go do radio. I was going to say, TV. take your life back. Yeah, but yeah. I will say yeah. that
0: if you want to see a flustered Florio, know what days Peter's on it and is at awesome. seven o'clock. <laughs> uh, Florio's not going to have any idea. He what's doesn't,
1: Florio doesn't bat an eye with me. He shows me no respect. But you. I love he's, it. He's like, he's like a head coach with man, this is uh, a star player in his prime. Yes. I don't know what to do with him. It's Odell Beckham Jr. It's Bill Parcells with uh, Lawrence Taylor again. Yeah, yeah you are Lawrence, Taylor, Lawrence Taylor now. Taylor. It's all come full
0: circle. Yep. Uh, I want to say thank you for coming in. I want to say thank you for the 29 years and the countless stories and the 5.5 million words. Yep. It's been awesome. Thanks for always being a stand-up guy. Thanks to you guys, Sims and Lefko fans, for everything that you do. As always, hit us up on social at Sims and Uh, Subscribe and as well as leave a comment on iTunes tunes we're nearing a thousand five-star reviews which is amazing you guys are great but peter
1: you're, mad. You you're, you're, mad. Peter. you're the king of oh. peter's oh, man. come on man, yes. you're <laughs> in
0: a, an rv with john madden awesome thank
2: you man all right